I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you think about how many monsters are created for each new series of Doctor Who, you start to realise how difficult it is to make one that leaves a lasting impact on the show, and on pop culture in general. In terms of villains created during the modern era of the show, the likes of The Silence and Lady Cassandra have been brought back for another round, but without question, the biggest bad guy success story of Doctor Who's last 15 years is the Weeping Angels, who have now cemented themselves alongside the Daleks and the Cybermen as an iconic and all-time great Doctor Who villain. With that in mind, I'm Will for Who Culture, and here are 10 things you didn't know about the Weeping Angels. 10. An Angel Was Originally the Villain in Heaven Sent After having one story in the David Tennant era and two stories in the Matt Smith era, the Angels had precisely zero stories while Peter Capaldi was behind the TARDIS controls. In fact, aside from a brief cameo in Hellbent, they didn't feature in his era whatsoever. But things were almost a lot different. Heaven Sent is one of the 12th Doctor's strongest episodes, and it's very hard to imagine it being executed in any other fashion. The Doctor is trapped in a castle that constantly shifts and changes, all the while being pursued by a slow yet relentless shadowy figure, the Veil. However, Moffat's original pitch for Heaven Sent was the Doctor in a haunted house with weeping angels, and to that end, the episode's baddie was originally going to be a single weeping angel, stalking the Doctor throughout the castle. Would it have worked? Well, Blink already proved that creepy buildings and weeping angels go together quite well, but what we got was pretty great too. 9. We almost visited their home planet The Doctor Who spin-off, Class, was cancelled after just one series, which is a right old shame because it was actually super enjoyable. The fact that we're not going to get more episodes is also a huge disappointment for fans of the Weeping Angels, because the iconic villains would have played a bigger part in the show had it continued for another series. The final episode of Series 1 concludes with a Weeping Angel cameo, and according to Class's creator, Patrick Ness, Series 2 would have seen them return in a much more important way, because they were planned to visit their home planet. Little is known about the future of class, but it is highly unlikely that we'll ever get to see it return, so if we are to visit the Weeping Angels' home planet, it'll have to be a part of the main series. 
8. Moffat considered letting them defeat Sally Sparrow. Besides the creepy montage indicating that every single statue in the world is a weeping angel, the ending of Blink is quite a happy one. Sally and Larry hook up, the Doctor gets his TARDIS back, and the angels are permanently frozen in the basement. But Moffat has been known to enjoy a much bleaker conclusion every now and then, especially for his female characters. In The Girl in the Fireplace, he killed off Madame de Pompadour, and in Forest of the Dead, he killed River Song, to name but two, and there are many more. Considering all these incidents, it probably won't come as too much of a surprise that the writer once toyed with giving Blink protagonist Sally Sparrow a similarly dark ending. While reflecting on the episode on its 10th anniversary, Moffat talked about an alternate finale he'd thought up, wherein the angels ended up zapping Sally back in time. It makes me wonder why an angel never sent her back in time. All these years later, I wonder why I didn't end it like that. Just after she meets the Doctor, she pops back into the shop, and big fright, there's an angel there. A moment later, Larry follows her in, and she's gone. And for the first time, he notices something about the painting on the wall. It's Sally in the distant past, and she's smiling and waving. Pretty dark stuff, and frankly, I'm glad it didn't happen. She's suffered enough. 7. They can use psychic paper. Psychic paper has been a staple of the Doctor's utility belt since the 2005 revival, essentially giving the Time Lord a fake ID that can be used for infiltration purposes. But it's not an exclusive Gallifreyan power or anything like that. All sorts of beings in the universe can also wield the power of psychic paper for themselves, and in one story, the Weeping Angels did just that. In the 11th Doctor novel, Touched by an Angel, the Doctor, Amy, and Rory come face to face with the Weeping Angels. At one point, the Doctor mentions that the Angels have written a letter on psychic paper in order to lure the heroes into a trap. The Doctor says that such a feat would be child's play for the menacing villains, and in addition, it's also mentioned that the letter is stored inside a psychic envelope. Yes a psychic envelope. Isn't Doctor Who just, just glorious? 6. They consider humans transitory vermin. Despite their somewhat unassuming looks, at least when they aren't bearing their fangs, the angels are one of the most powerful monsters in the Doctor Who universe. They've been around for billions and billions of years, and their great age means that they consider a lot of other life forms lesser, including, unsurprisingly, us humans, who the angels think are merely transitory vermin. These are the exact words used by Moffat in some comments from 2010. Cut from the Blink script is the idea that they simply regard us as transitory vermin, because they're billions of years old and we sort of flicker around them, and they sort of shove us out the way, into the past and all that. It's hardly a great act of evil, they're just not bothered by us. They swat us like flies. The power of the angels is often overlooked, but it wouldn't be surprising if they considered most other species to be like flies as well. 5. They can alter the perception of other beings, which explains the Statue of Liberty. Series 7's The Angels Take Manhattan provided a twisty, turny, and heartbreaking departure for Amy Pond and her loyal husband Rory, but one major sticking point that a lot of folks had with the episode was the fact that it turned the Statue of Liberty into a gigantic weeping angel. And because the episode wasn't really concerned with offering an explanation, many fans were left wondering how such an enormous statue could move across a bustling city. Well, the answer to that is some form of mind control, which is the explanation that Moffat offered to Doctor Who magazine a few years ago. The angels can do so many things. They can bend time, climb inside your mind, hide in pictures, steal your voice, mess with your perception, leak stone from your eye. In those terrible days, in that conquered city, you saw and understood only what the angels allowed. So Liberty could move and hunt as it wished, in the blink of an eye, unseen by the lowly creatures upon which it preyed. Also, it tiptoed. 
basically because Manhattan is essentially under the control of the angels and they can move at lightning quick speeds, the Statue of Liberty can move anywhere it wants and the power of the angels will make it impossible to perceive. 4. They were originally meant to be in the library episodes. Blink was written for the third series of the Doctor Who revival, and for the fourth, Moffat's contribution was a two-part story silence in the library slash Forest of the Dead, the episodes that first introduced River Song. These episodes also introduced the deadly Vashta Narada, carnivorous shadows that feast on the flesh of their victims. Originally though, this wasn't the case, and before coming up with the Vashta Narada, Moffat was planning for the Weeping Angels to be the villains of the story. However, when the opportunity to write Blink arose, Moffat needed a monster, and so he pulled the angels from the library and plonked them in that sinister, derelict house. Looking back, it's easy to imagine the angels being in the library because it's a very dark and tightly packed location, the perfect place for the stone assassins to strike. 3. Blink almost didn't happen at all. Like most seasons of Doctor Who, Series 3 features a Dalek story. In this case, the New York set two-parter, Daleks in Manhattan, and Evolution of the Daleks. Ultimately penned by Helen Rayner, these episodes were originally assigned to Moffat, but he had to drop out for unknown reasons. Obviously, losing a writer was a massive inconvenience for the production team, so to make up for the trouble, Moffat offered to write, quote, the episode nobody likes. Series 3's Doctor Light story. Doctor Light stories, like Series 2's Love and Monsters, are designed to feature as little of the Doctor as possible. This gives the lead actor time to shoot other episodes, and thus more episodes can be cranked out per series. So what if Moffat had stuck to the original plan and had written the Dalek episodes? Well, obviously he wouldn't have written Blink in Series 3, and because he was planning to include the angels in the library in Season 4, we came very close to never getting the Blink that we know today. 2. They've faced more Doctors than you think While we've only seen the Angels face the 10th, 11th, and 12th Doctors in the main TV show, there is an enormous world of Doctor Who expanded media out there, in which some other Doctors have also bumped into the stone-cold antagonists. For instance, the Angels are the main enemy in A Little Help From My Friends, a 13th Doctor comic book story that also features the 10th Doctor. The 8th Doctor also encountered them in the Big Finish audio drama The Side of the Angels, while the iconic statues were pitted against the fifth Doctor in another audio drama, Fallen Angels. They also popped up in Secret Agent Man, a ninth Doctor comic book released in 2017. 1. Special effects are used to freeze them in place Somewhat unbelievably, most of the weeping angels we've seen in Doctor Who are not inanimate props designed by the art departments. They're actually real actors trussed up in layers of makeup and prosthetics. But since it's very difficult for humans, even trained stunt performers, to stand perfectly, unwaveringly still, the Doctor Who production team uses a very clever trick to stop them shaking on film. During an episode commentary for Blink, it's revealed that a digital effect is used to freeze the angels performers in place, getting rid of any minor immersion-breaking moments. Because of this post-production trick, you won't spot a single instance of a random angel wobbling in the background of a shot. You could say that there still is a statue. You could say that, but I won't, because it's a terrible pun, and we're better than that. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.